Good morning and welcome to Prayers for Your Day. This is Danita and today is Monday, March the 8th, 2021. I pray that you had an awesome weekend, that you had a time just to spend doing something that you enjoy, whatever that may be, whether it's sitting quietly, um, whether it's reading a book, watching a favorite show, spending time with the Lord, walking, um, singing, whatever it is. I pray that you had an opportunity, spending time with your family. I pray that you just had, that you did something fun um, on this weekend. Uh, I was not on on Friday, so you didn't miss anything. Um, I had started to record and when people um, call my phone during this time, it won't allow me to go back in. I had set my mind to re-record, but by then I was at work and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, I'm here today and I thank God for another day, another opportunity to pray with you, to pray for you, for us to touch and agree, believing God that when we pray in Jesus name, that we, when we stand in agreement as believers, that we can cast that mountain into the sea, whatever the mountain is in your life, whatever the mountain is in my life. But because we agree according to the word of God, we can't just agree on mess. We can't just agree on worldly things. We have to agree according to the word of God. And then we have to believe God's word that he will do what he said he would do. A lot of times it's not that we don't believe, but sometimes I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there a lot. When I've said, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's not that I don't believe God can heal. It's not that I don't believe God can deliver. It's not that I don't believe God to restore. And I'm human. And sometimes things don't look like the way that I've prayed, the way that I believe, the way that I've stood, but years, but sometimes I have to remind myself and I have to encourage myself in the Lord. God, I believe and help my unbelief. Give me a sign. Give me confirmation to stay on this journey. And then sometimes I have to ask God, God, have you changed your mind? I know what you were saying then, but what are you saying now in this hour, in this season? So we always have to look for a right now word. We always have to see, God, what are you saying now? Because sometimes our actions and other people's actions have the ability to change the trajectory for our lives. Now, God already declared the end from the beginning. So he knew when we would get off track or when we would need to be refocused. Nonetheless, always ask God, God, what are you saying now about this thing? What are you saying now? Where should I go now? And I believe God honors that. He honors the fact that we need him. Um, I don't need to ask my girlfriend, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? I need to be asking God. So I thank you all for joining me Monday through Friday between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. as we come in agreement with the word. I praise God for you and the people, places and things that he has strategically, divinely connected you to in order to see whatever it is that he has given you come forth. 
Uh, we're still in the book of Hosea. And since I didn't talk on Friday, I'm going to talk today about Hosea chapter number five, judgment against Israel. And as I read this chapter, I'm going to point out a couple of things to you. Now, we know that Ho- we know about Hosea's marriage to Gomer and what that symbolizes. So then once uh, Hosea goes back and buys Gomer, we really see now what God is beginning to say to Israel, which he also refers to as Ephraim. He also refers to as Ephraim. So at first I had to look that up because I was like, okay, is this a person? You know, but it is also known as Ephraim. And so in chapter five, God issues judgment against Israel. And this is the part that really got me, that made me think. And I hope it makes you think as well as you go throughout your day and as you intercede and pray uh, for yourself to be delivered or for others to be delivered out of bondage. It says, um, I know on verse three, I know all about Ephraim. Israel is not hidden from me. Ephraim, you have now turned to prostitution. Israel is corrupt. And and I had to think about that. See, a lot of times as Christians, uh, either ourselves or people closest to us think that they are getting away with something. And we may think we're getting away with something, but this is a reminder that God knows all about us. And there is nothing that we do that is hidden from God. So if you're talking about someone and you're talking uh, about them with somebody else, that person may not know that you're talking about them, but God knows that you're talking about them. If you are doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, maybe you, you know, if you're, if you're married and you're getting into uh, the, the bank account and you're saying, oh, my wife doesn't even notice or, oh, my husband doesn't even notice. And it looks like, oh, well, since it's going unnoticed, I'm getting away with it. But the Bible tells us if God knows about a place Um, and, and people that are there, don't you know that God knows about each and every one of us that he knows all about us and that there is nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can say that is hidden from our God. Now that's a, that, that as well as I say that for things that we shouldn't be doing, it also is about things that we should be doing when we when we sow into a person not just financially but even in our words when we speak blessings upon them when we pray for them as intercessors when God calls us to pray for people we better believe that there's somebody that's praying for us they may not know our name, but, but the spirit, their, their spirit man is picking us up as they pray in the spirit. There is nothing that is hidden from God, the kind things that you do, right? When you just send somebody an email and, or a text message and say, you know what? I, I, I speak blessing upon blessing upon you, or I'm thinking about you, or hey, I did this, or, or I did that, or I want to do this for you, or whatever it may be, or you dropping off food to somebody that needs it. And maybe you don't have it. So maybe you're in your pantry getting some food out. 
nothing. God knows us and there is nothing that is hidden from him. Then in verse four, it says their deeds. Now, this is it. When he says Israel is corrupt, their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. A spirit of prostitution is in their heart. They do not acknowledge the Lord. Israel's arrogance testifies against them. The Israelites, even Ephraim, stumble in their sin. Judah also stumbles with them. Now, the spirit of prostitution. Now, remember, when we read about Gomer, And one of the things that Gomer said, she says here that she was going to go back to her lovers, her lovers who gave her food, who gave her water, who gave her wool and linen, oil and drink. She had developed a a spirit of prostitution, meaning because of what I think I'm getting. And I say that again because of what I think I'm getting. And I say think because we don't realize that what we think that we're getting is really going to cost us so much more, so much more than what we actually get. Because a lot of times when we are out here in the world, we think we're having fun. We think we live in life like it's golden. We think that we can do whatever we want to. But again, God says in his word, he knows everything about us. There is nothing hidden from him. So as we lay up with different people. If I can just be real on this morning, as we do things in which sin against our own body, because our body is not our own. It is the temple of Christ. It is the, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That's why we're not supposed to put just any and everything in our body. But nonetheless, we think because of satisfaction, fleshly satisfaction, we're going to return back to the world. We're going to return back to our lovers, which in turn develops a spirit of prostitution because we begin to idle or look for things that only God can give us through other people, through other people. So then the Bible goes on to say that a spirit of prostitution is in their heart. So even though we may think of prostitution is selling our body, a spirit, there is a spirit of prostitution that if you give me this, I will give you this. I'm going here so I can get this feeling so that I can, you know, be loved or that I can be appreciated or that I can be this or that. Not realizing that fornication will cost us, not realizing that sexual immorality will cost us, not realizing that pornography will cost us. There's a sexual thing to the spirit of prostitution. And then it says they do not acknowledge the Lord. And because God is a God who is long suffering. Right. Then a lot of times we think and we forget that he does not know us that that what our sin is hidden from him. That's how arrogance, when it says here that Israel's arrogance testifies against them. 
Well, you know, the Bible, if you have it, um, if you have it, I, I have this book called The Court of Heaven. And if you just Google, go to YouTube and Google the, the courts of heaven and find a guy named Robert uh, Henderson. And he will walk you through how um, when we get to heaven and, and again, we have the ability to bring heaven here on earth. And that sometimes it's, it's an, I guess the best way I can explain it is that it's another key to the kingdom. Sometimes you have to take things to the courts. You have to take things to the courtroom of heaven. Why? Because the Bible says that the enemy is an accuser of the brethren. Here it says that Israel's arrogance testifies against them. Arrogance will testify against you in the court of heaven. Pride, because God hates pride, will testify against you in the court of heaven. If you gossip and lie, it will testify against you in the court of heaven. That is the enemy's job is that when we do something that is contrary to the word of God, he uses it against us. He condemns us for the things that we've done. Why? Because the enemy knows the word of God. He knows the word of God. He he gets us into the spirit of prostitution trading things for that. Come on and, and have fun. Come on and do this. Come on and do that. So then after a while, because God is long suffering, because God is a God of grace and God is a God of mercy. And even though we are in the Old Testament, we still see that God is long suffering. Remember Nebuchadnezzar and all that he did and how God didn't really do anything. And then and then he had Daniel tell Nebuchadnezzar. That if you change your ways, Nebuchadnezzar, and the Bible tells us that it was 12 months to that day that Nebuchadnezzar still had not changed his ways. And then arrogance, if you go back to Daniel, arrogance showed up because Nebuchadnezzar said, look what I built. Pride showed up. And that is what testified against Nebuchadnezzar. So the things that we sow will testify against us for the good or for the bad. The Bible says, be not deceived. God shall not be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. We have to be careful about what we sow. Then it says the Israelites, even Ephraim, stumble in their sin. Judah also stumbles with them. Now, remember, in the beginning of this verse, I mean, the beginning of the chapter, it tells us or the Bible tells us um, that Judah, it says, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah and I will save them. That was chapter one. But in chapter number five, it says Judah also stumbles with them. Now, what I extract from the text as I read all of this and as I try to break it, break it down here and there is that. Remember, what was God saying then and what is God saying now? Because we as a people have the ability to get off track. It's in our nature. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. 
And so what God had said before about Judah, Judah don't fall into that. Judah don't get caught up into that, right? Now he says Judah also stumbles in their sin. Bad company corrupts good character. It's in the word. Bad company corrupts good character. We have to be mindful of who we associate with. Bad company corrupts good character. Judah also stumbles in their sin. So at first God was saying this. Now he's saying something else. Where did Judah lose direction? Where did Judah lose sight of the promise? And then God says, when they go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. They are unfaithful to the Lord. What happens a lot of times, and some of us have gone through this, I've gone through it before, where God, (laughs) where we have stepped away from God. You know, it's like anything else. After a while, you know when you no longer want it, whether it's in a relationship, a friendship, or whatever, you know when you're no longer wanted. When the spirit of prostitution has set in or some other spirit has set in and has another individual's attention. And you know, when you are no longer wanted, you have no choice, but to withdraw yourself. Because one thing that I know about the word of God is that, is that, um, Jesus never chased down anybody. When we look at the New Testament, when the, when uh, the rich man went to Jesus and he said, well, what must I do, you know, to be saved? I, I've done all of that kind of like check, check. When And Jesus was giving him, you know, love your neighbor like you love yourself. And he was going and the man was like, okay, I've done all of the, those things. What else? And he said, sell everything and follow me. And it said that the rich man left sad. He left sad. But one thing that we know was we didn't see Jesus chasing him saying, wait, come back. Wait, okay, I'll change it. Wait, I'll be better. Wait, I'll do this. Jesus had standards. And when he gave, thank you, Holy Spirit, when he gave the rich man his standards, this is what you must do to follow me because the rich man asked. And he told the rich man, the rich man said, oh, man, I can't do that. And he left and Jesus didn't chase him down. And every day when we read the book of Hosea, every day when we read the word, God is giving us his standards for holy living. He is giving us his standards of what it takes to be in right fellowship with him. We can be in fellowship with Jesus and, and, you know, at any time. But what does it mean to be in right fellowship with him? 
He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's in the New Testament. That's that's not in the Old Testament. That's in the New Testament. If you love me, you will keep my commands. He's saying, this is my standard. This is what it's going to take to be with me, to have eternal life. Now, he said, lo, I am with you always, and he is with us always, but there will come a time when we will stand in the court of heaven. The books will be open. There will be testimony, right? The Bible says that there was a great cloud of witnesses. Come on, Holy Spirit. There there will be a great cloud of witnesses. Jesus, the chief intercessor, the one that consistently, constantly, earnestly, fervently makes intercession for you and I. God wants us to make it, but we've got to want to make it. We've got to turn away from things that are hindering our walk with God. We've got to turn away and when you read chapter five, it really now Judah said Judah had even gotten caught up. You think what happened to Judah? What happened to Judah? Is God not no longer saying the same thing? No, God is saying the same thing that he said before. But God also waits on us to do what we know to do. Go back and read Hosea chapter five. Meditate on the word of God. Think about yourself before you think about anybody else. What is God calling you to do? Where do you have a spirit of prostitution? Do you have a spirit of prostitution? And then pray that God would deliver you. Pray that God would deliver us as Christians so that we can be the people that he has called us to be. And live eternal life with him. God bless you. I love you all. Have an awesome week. And know that the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and add no sorrow to them. So if you are experiencing sorrow after sorrow after sorrow, you have to ask yourself, is that a blessing of the Lord? Love you all. Bye bye.